All right, welcome to episode number seven of the Hammer Factor Hot Seat. My name is John Grace, producer here at the show, and I'd like to welcome our very special guest, the queen of the Molokai, SUP World Cup champion and published artist, Sunny Honshide. Sunny, how are you doing? Hi, how's it going? Good, welcome to the show. Did I pronounce your last name right? Honshide, yeah, you did, you did pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I'll, I'll bumble through some things through this interview, so just correct me if I mess anything up. Well, before we dig into this interview, can you share something with our audience that most people probably don't know about you? Well, I think that probably a lot of people don't know that I'm an artist. That's like my second biggest passion besides stand-up paddling. And I believe that you are a published artist. Some of your artwork has shown up on starboard on some of the uh, starboard boards. Yeah, that's that's been a great collaboration since uh, two years now. And um, yeah, it's, for me, it's a great honor. And it's, yeah, I still can't believe when I see my art on the boards. And especially because I can share, like, show my two passions in, in one product and. Yeah, that makes me very proud and very happy to share it with all the sub-community. <laughs> oh, that is so rad. I have some questions that I want to dig a little deeper into that. But before we get into it, before all of before you had a board with your artwork on it, before you won these races, let's start from the beginning. Where, where are you from and, and how did you develop a passion for paddleboarding? Well, I'm originally, I was born in, uh, on Zylt, which is like a little island in the North Sea. It's on the border to, to Denmark. And um, my dad, he was a professional windsurfer. So we traveled the world like since I was a baby. And I almost was born in, in Maui because we, we always spent like half, half a year there for my dad to train. And um, my older sister, she went to school there. So, um, so yeah. And um that's where I learned my, well, basically I grew up on the beach. So my passion was like the water since, since I was a baby and um, I really liked to be in the water. And then I started bodyboarding. And when I was five years old, we moved to the Canaries, Canary Islands. Um, oh, and wow. then, yeah, that's where I learned how to surf and to windsurf and later on to, to paddle. So originally you were a surfer, eh? Yeah, originally I come from from surfing and windsurfing, and yeah, so for me it was a natural transition to to go on a on a stand up board. <laughs> right, and there's always been the that that kind of thing about you know paddleboarders or sea sweepers and this kind of surf culture. Being that you were a professional surfer and you know professional paddleboarder, can you speak to that? What, do you, have you ever felt that? Uh, well, I mean, for me, I, I, you know, growing up in the Canaries, we, I mean, I'm in the water every day and sometimes I'm just body surfing. Sometimes I'm like, I started with bodyboarding at the beginning, you know, and then I went into, into surfing and then into windsurfing. And so far as I know, like stand up paddling, uh, pretty much came up again on Maui when the big wave surfers, they were searching for a sport they could do over the summertime to keep themselves fit for the wintertime. So Originally, it was paired by surfers, you know, right. and big wave surfers, so pretty cool surfers, you know, because <laughs> they surf huge waves and, you know. So, I mean, for me, I never had, like, any um, – I could feel sometimes this, like, um, you know, like, we could see, like, surfers really don't like stand-up handlers and like that. 
But I think it's um, it's mostly because stand-up paddling it's a it's quite an easy sport to learn, especially when it becomes to surfing too. You know, because you you're standing already, so to catch a wave, it's it's easier than when you surf. Yeah, yeah. So you don't go to all this process like where you learn how to behave in the water, how to like learn about the rules. So you jump all this this big learning curve you you have when you when you surf. And um, I think that's the issue, you know, like a lack of education. Yeah, I so. think I think that makes perfect sense. Along this journey, you know, a lot of the athletes that we've talked to over the course of recording these shows, there was a certain person or a mentor that was that was in their life. Do you have that? Did you find your way organically into that? Did a mentor have any role in your your passions? Well, I think uh, generally my my dad. Like because he he teach me a lot about like the water and um and how to like he always had uh, he he's um he's a shaper as well so he always shaped me my boards and and he teach me how to how to surf and how to windsurf and um teach me about the ocean like about the dangers with the you know where you can put yourself and when you go out there in, in the ocean and. I guess, I mean, that's one for me, like, um, yeah, one of the most important people in my life because he gave me a huge gift, you know, like he teach yeah. me how to, to surf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And just how to be around the water safely. That is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I noticed reading on your bio that you were in the German national team. How does that work? Is that a is I know that a lot of um, clubs and the national team for paddling in a lot of European countries, they're funded by the government. You have the ability to train full time. Is that the same way it worked for you when you were on the German national team? How, tell me, how did that work? No, it's uh, mostly it's uh, people who are into kayaking and canoeing. Uh, those people are supported by the state as well. Okay. But uh, with stand up paddling, because it's still quite a new sport. So um, it still runs if you're like in the national team and sent to uh, world championships from the ISA, for example, it still runs over the, um, the German Surfing Federation. And um, to be honest, it's yeah, I mean, they're not very familiar with stand up paddling or paddling sports in general. So there's still quite a like a big learning curve they have to go through to to make it more professional for us stand up paddlers. Right. So uh, now we have the German surfing, like the kayaking federation. So they're getting in, but there's quite a lot of controversy. And um, yeah, something where I'm not very into because I, I'm too busy with my life too, you know, with my paddling and my art and all that. that um, so There's no time for that. Um. <laughs> it's, life is short. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I thought was really interesting reading through your bio is that you were part of, I, I believe, along with your parents, starting a surf shop. When did that happen? How did that all come about? Well, that was uh, when I was 18. Yeah. And um, yeah, like my parents and me, we decided to to open up a surf shop in the Canaries because basically we... We needed like a lot of things for for us, like wetsuits and wax and dishes and pads and fins and all that. So um, yeah, so I just finished my my studies and um, yeah, we were we had this idea and we had a good location for that. And my dad, being a shaper, he built the boards for the shop. So it was a good 
natural trans- transition to to open this 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 shop that's so cool is it still going yeah it's still going yeah actually like the the plan was like for the whole family to to be more involved but right now my parents are just running the shop so yeah i like that a little bit like i you know i should be more involved but right now i'm traveling so much and i'm so busy with my art that um yeah it's hard to to be in the shop but i'm trying when i'm here (laughs) (laughs) i want to get into a few other things but i just recently noticed you're in the canary islands you've been on the beach a lot you just went to france and won this glagla race am i saying that right yeah the glagla the glagla and (laughs) And, and there were like 600 people there. I saw there was snow on the peaks. Can, describe that event. I had never even heard of it until I got to researching, you know, this interview. Well, the Glagla race, it was, um, yeah, for me, the first time I, I went there. For me, the first time I I was paddling in temperatures like that. I A few years ago, I paddled in, in Paris, and like in December, so it was really cold, but not snowing cold like you know like minus temperatures so um yeah i heard about it last year for the first time i saw the pictures and i thought this is the great race to opening up the the season and a great experience and a challenge too because uh, i just came back from from hawaii and i went straight to to france and um yeah it was like definitely out of my comfort zone (laughs) and uh yeah, so it was really interesting and paddling with so many people and basically like we're just a, like a handful of elite paddlers and the rest was uh, recreational paddlers and which was really cool because they they were so stoked that we were there and they were so stoked to compare themselves to, to you know, like to, right. to our level. And there was people dressed up. There was people paddling on tandem boards. There was people, but everyone was smiling and we had the greatest time out in the water. And um, later on, we got invited to to a party where everyone brought like um, specialities from, from their part, from France. And really like we got, yeah, I experienced a lot of culture and tried all different French food. And it was such a good, event because it was um racing on one side but on the other side you you had all this event around it so it was definitely a great experience that's so cool and so is it a race how how does the race work is it uh from one end of the lake back around it they said a lot of turns on buoys what's the course like well um we had a few buoys and um yeah 600 people on the on the starting line that was definitely a challenge and to not fall in it was even a bigger challenge (laughs) which i luckily i didn't fall but i was very close to and uh yeah so basically we did like a course around the like in the lake we did like a circle and it was amazing because you saw like the the mountains in the in the background with the snow and it was yeah i mean breathtaking incredible landscape it was beautiful yeah, I checked it out. It was really cool. People were all wearing wetsuits yeah. and all kinds of, all kinds of gear. Yeah, we were lucky because uh, I, I basically I just brought a dry suit because I thought, no matter what, I'm just gonna wear a dry suit. It's gonna be super cold. It's probably gonna be snowing, and um, and then the day of the race it was sunny, so a dry suit it's almost it would have been almost too warm. So five minutes before the race, I bought like a, a long john. 
<laughs> and that was perfect. <laughs> nice. So you had, yeah. so you had yeah. good weather, like. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was beautiful. Well, you're you're a three-time queen of the Molokai, world champion. You know, you just won the Glagla. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things are going right, but let, going great right now. But let's let's kind of flip the switch here. What was the lowest moment that you've had through this journey? Mm, in paddling. Well, you know, if it it could be paddling, it could be something that pertains to life. But, you know, everybody wasn't, you know, it's, it's hard to always be a champion. There are, there are points when you don't exactly, things don't go your way, you get injured. Are there any moments like that that stick out to you? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, but I, I really don't take things even when you, um, you know, when you know you could win a race and you, and you don't win it, you Sometimes it's um, it's hard because it's you know what you're going through in life right in the, in that moment you know mm-hmm. and uh, you just appreciate that you're able to to still do it you know so for me it's well low low thing in 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 racing I can't really say oh that was there was like for me a low like um, you know like a low or like a bad experience for me because I in in racing, I couldn't say that because you win and you lose and, you know, so, but it's all an experience and you still are able to do that, you know? So right. for me, it's, um, I mean, even last year when I became second in Molokai, I, yeah, it wasn't like such an easy uh, year for me and um, because of personal reasons and doing that race for me, it was like, yeah, that I was able to do it. I went out there and my head was completely in the race you know i wasn't thinking about anything else and i was so happy to to be able to do it you know so when i arrived of course i knew hmm you know i could i know i could win this race even not that day but um so that's sometimes you know when you know you could do better but uh in general i'm i'm always really appreciate that i can i can actually do it and um i'm able to do it nice i love that perspective what about uh what about your crowning achievement of all of these things you've done? What are you the most proud of? What jumps out at the top? Um, well, I would probably say um, my third uh, Molokai title. I could definitely like first one and and the third one, I could say. And the second one, of course, too. But yeah, I think <laughs> the first time when I won Molokai, it was a pretty good good feeling because I, since I started paddling, I always wanted to do that race when I when I was um, when I started paddling here in the Canaries, I was pretty much the only one in the water paddling, and I was always looking at pictures and YouTube videos, and I saw all the Maui people like Andrea and Devin and all the Maui girls paddling like down this coast with these huge boards and then huge beautiful windy conditions, and I always had the dream to to paddle, to be able to to paddle with them, you know, that was my dream, and then the first time I came to, um, to Hawaii, and I saw them out there, and I was like, wow, this is like, this looks amazing, you know, how they, they're so fast, and, and then compete against Adria, it was just, yeah, I mean, a dream came true, you know, and then arriving before her, it was, yeah, it was like, wow, it's, that's the top. <laughs> so I was really happy with that. <laughs> that is incredible. For our listeners who don't know, describe Molokai. 
uh, one it's it's painful (laughs) (laughs) but it's painful but beautiful you know it's it's so hard to um, to really describe it it's um it's a race where it's not of course it's a race against other people but mostly it's a race against yourself like you you leave that shore in molokai and, and you know there's no going back you going to cross this channel you're not gonna quit <laughs> and you're gonna reach oahu by your own power and by your own strength and um and this is an amazing feeling you know where you know you're paddling through this like deep channel and you feel like so small and you have like all this water around you and flying fish and dolphins and sharks and everything and you're just out there and then when you reach Oahu of course you you went through a lot you you had your ups your downs you had you are sore your hands are bleeding and you got cramps and everything but when you arrive on Oahu like for me at least half an hour later I was like oh yeah I could do this again next year (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah it is certainly one of the events that's captivated me. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's it's a 35 mile open ocean crossing. Is that correct? Yeah, it's 32 30, miles. 30, yeah. 30, mm-hmm. 32 miles. All the pictures and video I've seen are just amazing paddlers, just in the troughs of the waves, disappearing at the crest of the waves, coming back out, chop in between wind spray. I mean. It is something else. And to win yeah. that thing three times is no joke. What? What's your secret sauce? How do, how do you win it three times? I don't know. It's, uh, for me, it's just interesting to, to see where, where you thought you're, you have your limits and then really go over those, you know, and, and to know there's so much more in you than, than you thought. And, um, to win this race, I mean, obviously you train for for it. You train a lot, and I have an incredible, real like team on on the boat because every paddler who takes part needs a needs a boat, an escort board. Right. And um, I have a really good team. We became really good friends. It's uh, two Hawaiians, and um, I don't know. We we just see each other one time a year for for Molokai, but um, they know me so well. You know they. They sing songs with my name and they keep me like in a good mood and they always tell me what I trained for, you know, so even when you feel down in the middle of the channel and you feel miserable because you're paddling against the current and you you really don't move forward and you could, yeah, and then your things go through your mind, you know, you think like, oh, why I'm doing this and I could be in Waikiki, like drinking a nice cocktail on the beach, you know, where I'm suffering and going through this, you know, and then they remind you and they tell you, Sonny, remember what you trained for. This is your race. You know, you can do, you know, and it's, I think it's just a combination of many things, you know, and the, all these things went right for me in that day. And, and that's the key thing, you know, because everyone who comes to Molokai is a potential winner for this race. It's just, there's so many factors with which are which involved are involved in this race, but if all go goes good, yeah, you have a you have a good ch- chance to win. So I was lucky enough and won it three times. 
I appreciate you being humble, but there may be a little more than luck going on there. <laughs> Tell me a little well, bit. Well, yeah, but it's it's luck. It's well, it's luck when you you know because it's there's always a, a thing what can happen. You know, you can you can get cramps which are so bad that you can paddle more. You know, you can um, break your fin, break your rut. You know, it's all things what happen. You know, right. so. You need a little bit of luck as well. <laughs> what, what? How do you train? What does what what when you're in season and and you're trying, you know, you're you're looking for a personal best or to win a race or, or get out there. What is your what what does your day look like? Your day and week look like? Uh, well, I'm not this. Uh, I don't have like a like a training plan. You know, I don't have like a written down training plan. Okay, today I'm doing this. Tomorrow I'm doing that. The day after I'm doing this. It's I pedal mostly here in the um, in the Canaries, and we have in front of the house. I have all different conditions: wind, so I can pedal upwind, downwind, sidewind. Can pedal in waves. I can pedal in flat water. So for me, the day pretty much depends like on on the conditions. If it's flat. I do flat water if, um, yeah, and I do like sometimes I do intervals, sometimes I do um, long distance, but it's really how how you feel as well, you know, because sometimes when you have a written down training plan, you have, for example, oh, tomorrow I have to paddle 25Ks, but maybe tomorrow you don't, your body just tells you to, you know, that you don't feel like paddling that. But then when you force yourself, for me, it's, I, I always think that you have have a higher risk of injuries or of getting sick, you know, when you're a bit run down and you might get the flu or something. So I I really listen to to my body as well. Hmm. You know, I do my, my plans listening through through what how I feel, you know. And sometimes if you have a training plan and it says, Oh, today you just do like half an hour intervals, but all of a sudden you feel like so fit that you might wanna pedal around the little island we have in front here which is like 20ks so then i do that you know so it's always depends a little bit on on the conditions and on how i feel that is brilliant advice and something that we've heard on this show from multiple athletes is listen to your body when the time is right absolutely you know go hard so that is that is definitely a trend yeah because sometimes when you you know like especially when you when you had a like a harder week, you know, when you had, um, when you trained a lot, maybe, or if the waves are good, you go surfing and then you might feel a bit run down, maybe you got a little cold, you know, and then you already feel like mm, maybe on, on the tipping point of getting a flu or something. And then, you know, you shouldn't force yourself like too much, you know, you, you can even taking a day off sometimes it's, it's great. You know, it's good for when you feel like you need it, then you need it. And then you can just not go in the water or go and go slow and just cruise and really look what's around you and enjoy that as well. And, um, that's, I, I always, I'm a big fan of really listening to, to yourself. No, I think, and especially over the long term, you know, there's no way, you know, I mean, that's to, to, in my opinion, to compete, train, and consistently get better over the long term, you have to listen to your body, or you're just going to end up sick and injured. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Here's one that we can never find a trend that I ask all the time on this show. What's your diet like? My diet? Yes. Well, I um, 
pretty much I eat everything. <laughs> and I don't eat um, much processed food or like hardly, not, well, I don't eat processed food. And I try to eat um, and to keep it simple, you know. And I don't eat much meat, but sometimes I feel I need it. And I like to eat fish, but just sometimes as well. And just rice, greens, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I'm very uncomplicated with food, to be to be honest, you know. Because when you travel a lot and you're very picky with your food, it's very difficult when you travel, or it can get very difficult when you travel. So, yeah, I'm very I'm very easy when it comes to food. Just not much or no processed food. And not much meat. What about when you're doing when you're when you're actually in a race like a Molokai or something? Well, before Molokai, I ate a lot of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably like uh, two days already before I I start eating a lot of pasta. <laughs> yeah. And then what about in the actual race? In the actual race, I normally I take a few bananas and like on the boat and sometimes they throw me a banana and I drink um, I have like a drink with electrolytes and carbohydrates and I take one coke for the end just in case I get really low on the sugar so you can get a little sugar high with caffeine but besides that I'm I'm not eating that much right just mild nutrition just enough to yeah absolutely yeah. Keep, keep the motor running what about yeah in your career, when you were competing, were there any breakthrough moments or any aha moments that that you can think of? Well, aha moments probably every day when I go to water. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, oh, okay, that's better like this. <laughs> that's why I do it. You constant. Yeah, you're constantly learning, you know, like every day when I go in the water, there's never, when I go from the water, things, uh, well, you always improve when you go in the water and you always realize little things, you know, so, um, and breakthrough, yeah, I would say like in the technique, I got, I don't have a trainer, but I have a lot of uh, friends who are really, who are come, come from different paddling sports and where I get different advice and then, um, when I put all the pieces together and then I was like, oh yeah, this is how it works, you know, and that made a lot of sense for me. And yeah, I would say I got better in my, from my technique and what helped me to in increase my performance. What specifically with your technique did, did you improve on and, and you had a, and you could really feel a drastic improvement? Um, before I used a lot of um, just the body weight and I just used my, my arms and my upper body. And then I realized I have to use my legs way more in my core. And then that's when, when, when it started improving because then I was able to, to get more power from my whole body and not just through my arms and my like, upper body. What if, if a young paddler came up to you and said, hey, Sonny, what, what can I do to be a better paddler? What jumps to your head? What would what advice would you offer that person? I would say just go in the water every day and don't be picky with the conditions. Because I, I get to see a lot of paddlers, they always like, oh they had today it's not doesn't look too good. But for paddling you have no excuse, you know, unless it's like gale storm like force winds, you know, where you can't really it's dangerous, then of course not. But otherwise 
you can go in the water every day. I love and, that. And yeah, so not be picky with the with the conditions. If it's windy, yeah, it's windy. So what? Pedal against the wind, do a little down on your back, pedal up against the wind again. It's hard, but you will improve. Yeah, you know, almost every every athlete that we've talked to, kind of their underlying advice is just get out there and just get rad every day. Go do your thing every day. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of people, they also think, oh, no, today I'm going to skip, you know, going in the water because it's too windy. I'm just going to go in the gym. And of course, yeah, it helps you, the gym. It, it helps you too. But um, in the same time, you can have your gym out in the in the ocean, you know, like mm. you can pedal against the wind, use all your muscles you, you need for pedaling because you're pedaling really hard against the wind. And you get a little down on your back as a reward. So And you're out in the ocean. So every day counts. Oh, yeah. What if they wanted to turn it into a career? How, can you speak to how to get sponsorship and how to turn your passion into a career? Well, I think nowadays it's um, it's on one side, it's easier. On the other side, it's more difficult because through social media, you can really represent yourself really well. So I think if if you are a combination about if you're just a hardcore racer, uh, I, I'm not sure if nowadays you're really interested in to, interesting for a company, you know. So I think you have to bring a certain lifestyle as well. But I think it's um, it's a natural thing which comes as well. If you like um, like a person who like likes to spend time in the water, and you know, I think it's when you have a love for the ocean. I think you you develop this, this lifestyle anyway. You know what brands are looking for. And um, so I think if you, it's a combination about winning races and bringing a good lifestyle with you. So yeah, if you could do those two, I think you're, you're on a really good path. Right, right. What about, how did you end up, let's go back to yourself. I noticed on your website, you say you're an artist before you say that you're a paddleboarder. Tell me about your art, and then how did you end up with your work on what uh, on the boards? Uh, well, so I had my first art exhibition in 2013, and um, yeah, well, before that, before I started, well, it's uh, I always liked to paint, you know, as a child, because I mean, I guess every kid likes to paint and then when as soon as I started traveling I was doing a lot of collages about um, pictures I took and things I collected on the beach so and then yeah like I slowly developed my style and then 2013 I had my first art exhibition it was successful and then I had my second one two years later I showed some boards with my art on some surfboards and then um, Dwayne, the founder of, of Starboard, he contacted me uh, for design for some kiteboards before. That was six years ago. And then, um, yeah, so we worked together before. And then, um, yeah, and then I came into the Starboard team and Dwayne came up with this idea. And for me, it was a dream coming true like showing my art on, on stand-up boards and yeah, it was like a, felt like a natural transition to, to the whole thing. Were you always an artist 
like as a young child or is that something you developed at a certain point well it's it's hard to tell like uh in one of my art exhibitions um art collector came in and he was like oh how much you how much time you take to to make a painting and i was like oh particularly this one i took uh, maybe 18 hours and he was like this is the wrong answer you have to say you took a whole lifetime so i guess i guess that's what he meant you know like you you just don't sit down and and make this painting like um like in 18 hours, you know, you took, you're coming a long way to make this painting. So it made a lot of sense. And I was thinking about it. And it's actually true. Like, um, it's all a lifetime. What you put in this painting, it's all what you became in the moment where you sit down and you, you were started to paint this painting. It's, it's more than just 18 hours. It's like a whole, your whole life. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That kind of gave me cold chills when you said that. Well, I lo I think the art you can ride boards from from Starboard are hot. I think that's so awesome, and just I want to give you congratulations on that one. That is very cool. Thank you very much. I mean, you know, it's kind of like in skateboarding. You know, it, to get your own deck and the design, the artwork on your own deck. You know, that's a huge accomplishment for. I mean, that is just big. Big hats off to you for Sonny making that happen, and and cool for Starboard to 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 take that chance. Yeah, and I also like I'm I'm very happy because it's um, you know Starboard they um, they're very going into a direction or they have been since a long time where they're really taking care of um, you know of the environment as well. And for me, my biggest inspiration is the is the ocean. So it's nice when you know you're working for with a company which have the same vision as you have, and that's what's important for me, you know, because it's, um, we all working together, make the ocean to get the ocean in, um, cleaner yeah. <laughs> basically. Nice. And, uh, so it's nice to, to collaborate with people who have, have the same vision with you, like you, you know, oh, yeah. and yeah, it makes it even more, more special. Speaking about starboard and the industry itself, it seems you know the 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 SUP market has just been on this meteoric rise it has just been more and more people and i and on some levels it's sort of flattened out a little bit but i mean there were 600 people at this glogla race you know we have the carolina cup just down the road here in north carolina with i don't know how many people more and more people each year where do you see how do you see this sport in 10 years what's your from the inside what are your thoughts on it hmm it's hard to tell but um i mean obviously it's not because it's stand up paddling it's it's a sport for for everyone you know it's a, it's a sport for men for women for kids for you know it's like a family sport it's um you can do it everywhere where there's a little bit of water so it's um, it's a diff difference to like windsurfing or surfing, you know, where you or kite surfing, for example. So it's hard to tell what where it's going. But I mean, yeah, coming from the Glagler race and seeing so many people so stoked about paddling. And I talked to a lot of paddlers as well. And 
you can just see they they're just happy and passionate about the sport and about training as well you know i i went out with a few people and gave them what well, tried to give them a few little tips here and there and they said oh I'm, you know i go home and i train and i look at videos and, and it's a motivation they have to um, to train to later on take part in a race like that and i i don't think that's getting less i think it's even getting more and more people involved because like when they speak to their friends and they might try it you know so they they like it and then they might train as well to do like a little race and they see that's like all the friends catch up there so i see a big future in, in races like um you know like lagla and carolina cup where it's a race everyone can take part in right. you know so i think that's what like um we should keep definitely getting more races where they where there's a chance for normal people to take part in that's important as well right now i share that uh opinion that i see so much passion around these races and you know there is just a lot of people wanting to up their game and i think that you know even if you don't win the race having your personal best things like that are just really driving a lot of people to just get out on the water more so yeah absolutely <laughs> like you see guys for example they just want to beat their friend you know and yep. that's like a competition like every on every race they're like oh this time my friend beat, beat me but next time i'm going to beat him again you know and <laughs> and yeah and that's cool you know it's it's really cool so yeah i see that too off script here for a second and this just popped my mind right before you know we got on this call to record this i was reading an article i believe it was on the rei blog i'm not exactly where i shot but but it was specifically about um, fastest known times and this article spoke to trail running um have you okay. ever, have you ever thought about are there any um sup um fastest known times sort of uh, uh you know times being set or goals that are other than just your standard races, like you know the fastest time at Molokai. Are there any? Are, are there anything in this sport, or have you ever had any interest in anything like that? Well, I don't know if Eleven City, for example, counts. That's that's my my next goal, big goal, probably. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Uh, that's like a. It's a. I think it's four days. It's two hundred thirty some. I think it's two hundred thirty kilometers or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a race in, in Holland and um, it goes through all the little channels around. So, so yeah, that's one of the races. I, they have been out there for, for a long time. And every year I tell myself, like one year, like I have to do it. And this year it's probably going to be the year where I'm going to do it. So. so, so is this a 230 kilometers? Is it, it's broken into four stages? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it's four days, and um, so every day you pedal like around fifty something. Oh wow! And how? So you're on the water, so you're doing five hour days for four days in a row, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, where can we find more information on yeah. that? When does that happen? Uh, that's gonna happen in September. That's uh, I think they even have a website or a Facebook site. And, and what's the race called? One more time. Sub 11 city. Sub 11 city. And you're doing it this year. Okay, everybody in the Hammer Factor Nation just heard that from Sunny. She is signing up. <laughs> and this is the year. 
Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> There's no going back now. Well, we're sort of approaching the end of our interview here. Um, where where can our audience follow you? Are you an Instagrammer, a Facebooker, a blogger? Where can they uh, where can they follow and learn more about you? Uh, well, if they see me on the beach, they can come and talk to me, of course. Like, I'm really happy to talk to everyone because sometimes I, I notice that people are shy, you know, and they, they're like, oh, like, you know, and it's, I'm always happy when people come to me and, you know, and they better say hi to me, like in person than sometimes when they're too shy and they write, you know, on Facebook, oh, I've seen you on the beach and I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I'm, one day I would like to paddle with you or something. So instead of that, I, I'm... I'm more appreciate when people come to me on the beach and actually tell me, you know what, like, why don't we go paddling one day? And I'm, I would be more open to that, you know? Right. So I really like that. And then, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Okay. All right. Well, find Sunny on Instagram. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Hammer Factor today. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, get you get you back on the show after this race in Holland and see how it goes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Good luck to the year. And, uh, and there you go. Sonny Hanscheid, thank you so much for the time.